Welcome everyone to the Retail Corner Podcast from Proxima 360. The purpose of our podcast is to bring a relaxed and educational environment to discuss the current retail landscape, best of breed products, and retail business best practices. You will always find us talking with business users, technical resources, and retail experts on how they are and where they are headed. to the Retail Corner Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking with Chris Gerbig. He's the co-founder and president of Pink Lily, and he was previously senior analyst at Donald General Corporation and also an analyst at Fruit of the Loom. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. Well, we get, before we start talking about Pink Lily, what you guys do and everything, I want to understand how did you go from an analyst to running a full retail e-commerce shop and I, I you know and, and growing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a question we hear quite a bit. My wife and I both had, you know, regular corporate jobs and we had a significant amount of debt coming out of college, uh, student loans, we we're starting a family, we just purchased a house and we were trying to do things on the side that made a little extra money. So we were selling random things out of our house on eBay and Etsy and just trying to figure out a way to make a few extra dollars. Uh, we ended up finding some suppliers that made different clothing and accessories and started out with a Facebook group. It grew pretty rapidly. Mm -hmm. And um, about six months into that in 2014, we both decided to quit our full-time jobs and jump into e-commerce full-time. Wow. And that's what we did. We started Pink Lily and we grew it from a, a side hustle on our dining room table into what we have now, which is a, you know, a nine figure e-commerce business with 250 employees and we ship out thousands of orders a day throughout the world. That sounds phenomenal. Congratulations. Congratulations you. to you and your wife. So, so let me ask you, because I think a lot of, of our listeners, you know, they're entrepreneurs and we our job and then work eight hours on your side hustle. Right. Mm -hmm. But at some point you need to give a thousand percent of your time to your side hustle. If you want that to grow. And what was that differentiator or that decision maker for you guys? So I think the analyst in me, um, we would sit at our kitchen table every night and look at the day's sales volume and we would compare it to our, our corporate jobs. So we, we did this probably on a daily basis for, for three months and we'd sit down and say, okay, today we made a hundred dollars online. Uh, we can't quit our job today. And the next day, if we had a great sale or if it was a successful day, okay, today we made $500. If we can keep this up, we can quit our jobs. And we <laughs> daily um, for months until we were consistently outpacing our corporate jobs with the revenue of the, of the business. And um, I think Tori left in, in March of 2014. We've started the business January 1st of 2014. So my wife left three months later. I stuck around in my corporate job for another few months just to make sure uh, we were a little, little hesitant, had a lot of <laughs> that the consistency in the revenue stayed, no? Right, right. So come come June, I think, of 2014, I decided to uh, jump in headfirst as well. But we, we went and made sure that the, the revenue was consistent and we actually were making a smart choice. Oh, that's a, that's, that's a great suggestion because I think a lot of people, a lot of times, they start seeing uptake in sales, right? And then they immediately start taking drastic decisions. And as you very well mentioned, it, it's all about consistency, right? Because if you don't have that consistent growth and it's just a spike, which happens to a lot of brand new businesses, right? Uh, then you might not make the best decisions. Absolutely. And so yeah. how did you guys decide to, you know, why call it Pink Lily? 
what what was your target audience? How did you guys come to all of those decisions? And if you can tell me more about, you know, Pink Lily, the story, how it how it grew into what it has become today. Yeah, in the beginning, honestly, we were just trying to find different suppliers online. Um, what what started all of it back in the day was we were going to storage unit auctions and where you people would default on the storage units and the owner would auction off the contents and we would, we would buy a, a building for a hundred dollars and just sell the random, you know, contents of the storage building. And that was a little, uh, little all, all over the place and you couldn't really, um, have consistent income that way. So we started looking at suppliers, like what could we sell online that was more consistent? We looked at dog supplies. We looked at men's clothing. We looked at women's clothing and we found that the suppliers for women's clothing just seemed to be a little more um, readily available. It seemed like there was more of them available that we could find. So we started looking at some, some overseas websites that do drop shipping and manufacturing and production and, we, we honestly just said, Hey, let's, let's pick this. There wasn't a lot of serious thought behind it or any real reason. We just thought that this path might be more successful than the other different types of products we were looking at at the time. Okay. Okay. And so for example, once you, once you decided, Hey, this is, this is the best providers, this is the best vendors, and it has the potential of the furthest growth, right? Mm -hmm. Then the next question I think comes, okay, you make your website, you put it up, you know, get all your pictures, make it look wonderful how do you get people to start noticing you, right? Because there's a thousand competitors out there. I mean, that's really more millions competitors than mm -hmm. a thousand, but, but you know what I mean? There's so many people out there. How do you get them to start noticing you? Well, that's the good thing. Back in 2014, there wasn't that many competitors in the women's clothing space. And mm -hmm. there definitely wasn't a lot of competition who was using social media to market their business. Social media at that point, especially Facebook, was more of just a, a college campus type of social network for kids. There weren't a lot of businesses actually using social media to generate sales and drive traffic to the website. So we, we noticed this, we identified this kind of hole in the market. Hey, we can use our Facebook page to drive awareness and drive engagement and drive customers to the site. And we started doing that and it was very successful, very quickly. We would do a lot of contests, like share this post for a chance to win a free dress, you know, like comment, share, Oh, the, the, the famous was, giveaways nowadays. Okay. The famous giveaways. You know, we we perfected the giveaways ten years ago, and that was really a driving force behind the the quick growth of the company. Was just you know this massive social media following very quickly. Um, within eighteen months, we had over a million uh, followers on Facebook, and wow, the traffic to the site was was just really strong because of that, and we were able to capitalize on that social media dominance that we had and build a brand from it. And so would you say that it was just the social media or were there other elements that contributed? I believe you guys made like 4 million in sales within the first year of launching, right? Which is amazing. That's, that's wonderful, right? What other factors do you think contributed outside of you guys kind of pioneering what social media has become to be? I think social media was definitely one major part. Um, if I can think of a couple other pieces, I would say my background was in, um, corporate finance and global supply chain. Uh, I later went back and got an MBA. So I was able to really understand the operations, the supply chain, the finance, the, the overall um, business operation. My wife's background is in sales and marketing and social media. So we were able mm. to divide and conquer uh, the entire business from day one. I had my half that I still manage today and she has her half that she still manages today. And that worked out really well. Uh, number two, if I can go back to the, the kitchen table analysis, 
we took a lot of calculated risks. We really made sure that we understand what we were doing before we decided to do anything. We would sit down, talk about it, analyze, look at the numbers, crunch the numbers, and we made sure that anything that we decided to pursue or any type of campaign or um, investment, we had to make sure it made sense to us monetarily. And um, we did everything as smart as we could back in the day. And I think the social media, the calculator risks, and the, our own unique skill sets, I, I would say those are the three things that really helped us propel in the beginning. Nice, nice. And I think it's pivotal, right, for, for people to recognize their strengths or their value adds, right, and then focus on those. Because I feel a lot of times from an ownership perspective, you want to have control and domain over everything. And then you're kind of like hindering yourself and your company's growth, right, by not delegating accordingly. Yeah, yeah. If, if I was in charge of social media, we would have failed a long time ago. <laughs> if my wife was in charge of, of financial statements and recruiting, we would have failed as well. So we, we understand our strengths and we stick with it and we stay in our lane, basically. Absolutely. And so when the, I'm sure as an e-commerce, right, uh, supply chain and everything, you're constantly looking at technology, right, in order to help you uh, process orders, in order to help you expedite, reduce your payroll, re reduce errors, right, human errors. Uh, with that and with your experiences growing pink lately, how do you see uh, technology really influencing the retail industry from your perspective? I think the e-commerce space in general is an advancement in the retail industry. Just to be able to go online and find exactly what I want and look at different options and sizes and have it shipped directly to my door. I mean, I know people talk about the different apps and softwares, but really the e-commerce space in a whole is a technological advancement, right? Mm -hmm. And not just on the customer side, but on the, on the business owner side, I have so much data available to me now from a business owner that you know, 20 years ago, people don't have, if, if I have a, a billboard on the highway, I don't know if any customers see that billboard. I don't know if any traffic that I'm getting in my, in my shop or store is because of that billboard, but as an e-commerce owner, I know how long they're on the site, what Google ad they clicked on, how long did they stay on the site? Did they make a purchase? Why not? So I think the data collection as an e-commerce business owner is, is one of the main technological advances and I can capitalize on that and I can make marketing campaigns based on this. And I can say, this ad performed well, let's add more budget. This ad didn't perform well, let's cut that. Uh, you know, so there's, there's a lot of data-based decisions that we can make now in e-commerce that I don't think were available 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and for, for a lot of our listeners, right, not everybody has a background in, in doing analysis, right? What would you recommend, right? Because there's so much data once you start your e-commerce site that you can take a look at, right? Mm -hmm. What would you recommend would be maybe like the three pillars that folks should really focus on as they're growing their business? Mm -hmm. One would be traffic. And, and I think based on a comment that you made earlier, you know, there's thousands of competitors and millions of competitors. That's true now. And a lot of people want to be in the e-commerce space, but I think they overlook one main question. That's how am I going to get traffic to my site? Mm -hmm. If I'm selling a widget and there's 25 other stores that sell the same thing, what's going to make the customer visit your store as opposed to the other ones? And that's, that's the main question that all business owners need to ask is how am I going to get the traffic in a world of e-commerce businesses? So I would say just traffic in general is probably the number one thing that I would look at. Number two is conversion, right? It doesn't matter if you get a million hits a day on your site, if no one's buying anything. So you need mm -hmm. to understand if they're making a purchase, are they not making a purchase? Why? What are they purchasing? Um, and trying to just really understand that conversion rate and then improve on that. And then number three is 
this isn't really just unique to, to e-commerce, but all business owners, you need to understand your expenses, right? You need to understand where the money's going and are you making a profit? Are you not making a profit? Why not? So really understanding what you're spending on is, is this driving the business? Is this necessary? And really trying to, to be uh, lean, especially in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You need to capitalize every dollar, right? And I think also like, as you said, right, you have to be lean and you have to know where your money's going. Because a lot of times people say, oh, I made a million dollars in sales. Well, that, that doesn't mean you made a million dollars in revenue, right? You, you could be down $500,000 for all you know it. And people start spending and spending and spending thinking there's all this budget right. to, to run business with, right? Yeah, and that's that's more common now, especially with the, the venture capital world and raising money. Oh, we raised $4 million and you know we, we expect by 2036 we'll be profitable. And you know they're they're raising money to spend money, but no one's looking at the profitability. We didn't mm. have that luxury to have any money raised. We were putting our own savings in, so we had to be profitable from day one because we had diapers to buy and, <laughs> and things like that. So we didn't have a, a lot of disposable income that we could just throw into the wind to see what sticks. You know, we we had to focus on profitability first. Like that's the main thing. And uh, yeah, I think the venture capital world that's that's not very common these days. Yeah, no, it's not. Do you think uh, all these, you know, fund me uh, options that are out there in the market nowadays, do you think they're deviating or distracting entrepreneurs from really looking at their business and growing their business and then just maybe getting into this loop of, hey, let me just stay in this fund me process, right? Yeah. And then I can just buy a car and go buy this and go buy that. And your business becomes yourself and, and your business gets forgotten in the process. Yeah. Yeah. People are, are starting a business or they're, they're focusing more on raising money than they are making money. And to me, that that's just odd because I feel like the, the reason behind starting a business is to have some cash flow and profitability and net income at the end of the day. Um, it doesn't hurt or it doesn't help me to, to raise money if, if I'm just going to blow it on something, you know? Yeah, yeah, because eventually the racing is gonna finish, right? But right. but the growing and the income and the making the sales that that's continuous, right? Right. And that's the whole process. And so when when we talk about you know building that presence, building that brand, um, I know a lot of times people use influencers, they use ambassadors, right? How would you recommend this? Because I I know that it was like a very big trend, and I feel like it's it's dying out. And maybe I'm wrong, right? But correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like maybe five, seven, ten years ago, it was it was like a, the thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Have your ambassadors, have influencers, give them discounts, all these things. And I feel like that we're deviating from that. Why do you think we're deviating from that? Is there no more value add in that in the in those action items, or are there better things today? So for us, influencers has been a major part of our marketing budget for five, six years now, and I've signed you know hundreds of, of contracts we paid out millions of dollars of of influencer payouts and you're exactly right i don't know that i would say it's dying out but i think the roi is decreasing mm. so in the beginning say 2018 19 20 if you saw an influencer post something on social media the world would flock to that website and buy whatever it is and these influencers had such an influence on the consumer and what they purchased i think the flooding of the influencer world uh, where everybody wants to be an influencer now, the ROI on those campaigns is just dying off. So businesses around the world and us, uh, we have to take a look at that marketing spend a little more closely and really try to understand, are we making a return from this? So we have a we have a team who's just analyzing influencer codes, the cost that we pay the influence, 
influencer, uh, the commissions we're paying them, and then the revenue that's bringing in. And if it doesn't make sense for us as a business financially, we can't mm-hmm. either. We can't work with that influencer anymore, or we have to renegotiate the contract and the terms um, because we can't just you know throw money in the world and, and have a return. So I think a lot of companies are just paying more closely, more close attention to the dollars that are being brought in. Do you think is it has become a result of like you said, everybody wanting to be an influencer? So now people have a lot, right, of uh, followers or whatnot, but the engagement is not there really all the time? Or is it that people are now tired of following so many influencers that the impact that the ones that used to really have it organically and naturally, it's getting lost? I would say both. Okay. Uh, both the, the influencer world is so flooded now that each influencer doesn't have quite the reach that they used to. Um, and we see it with the ones that we use here in our business as well. They're just not getting that. They're not reaching the audience that they did two, three years ago. And consumers aren't as um, easily influenced anymore. So say in, in COVID times when, when everybody had a little extra money in their pocket and they would see something advertised by an influencer, they would go buy it, right? That's mm. the game. That's not happening as much. So you've got people that are a little more cost conscious these days and a flooded influencer market, it just doesn't have the same value that it did three years ago. Absolutely. And so looking ahead, right, obviously things are constantly changing, especially in the retail industry, right? What do you foresee that's going to come, you know, uh, for the consumer behavior, right? As you said, now we're changing, maybe we're not following the influencers as much, or maybe we're not spending as much money, right? The home values are going up, you know, inflation, et cetera, et cetera. So many factors that are coming into the the consumer world. Uh, What do you foresee, right, in the next year, two years, that is really going to become a trend. TikTok, I would say TikTok. If if I could look at the last ten years, I would identify three major marketing areas that um, really changed the the e-commerce space. And those are three areas that we kind of had the the front. We were first, you know, first the market on. So one was social media and using it to generate sales for your business. Number two was paid ads using. Google ads, Facebook ads, um, Instagram ads. We were kind of first to the game on that. And then the influencer space, right? Mm-hmm. Now that the influencer space is, is either dying off or just not getting the return. What's that next marketing phenomenon that all businesses want to capitalize on? And I think it's TikTok because it's such a tool for um, outreach, for brand awareness, and it's free. Uh, I mean, there's companies out there making millions of dollars in revenue on TikTok and their marketing budget is zero just because they have viral videos and they're putting out a lot of content and people like the content and it's really good for the business. Um, I don't think a lot of companies have capitalized on TikTok yet and a lot really don't understand how to use it, but it's Mm. there and it's growing. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the next two, three years, but I I definitely think it's TikTok. And do you think companies need to take more of a personal approach to TikTok, like having you know, an actual human represent them or should it be more like the typical company campaigns where the models fashioning and all that good stuff? That's a, that's a tough question, but I think it needs to be more, um, more natural, more authentic, and just more based on driving awareness and creating engagement and entertainment, really. Mm. A company that just shows, Hey, these are our products for sale. This is 1299. This is 1399. And you put that on TikTok, that's not going to work. Yeah. 
But I don't think a lot of companies know that yet. They're still trying to advertise on TikTok the way they would advertise on a on a TV commercial or, or Google ads, ads or something like that. you know, five years ago. Um, there, there's got to be a little bit of a change in how you campaign on TikTok. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, I think you you said it that right on the money, right? It's all about entertainment. I think that's right. People want to scroll and see videos and get exactly. entertained. What's going to keep me as a consumer from scrolling? So you've got to get my attention somehow. <laughs> absolutely. Well, let me ask you one last question. And I'd like to ask this of everybody. If you had one piece of advice for all the entrepreneurs out there that are listening to us today, what would be that one piece of advice that you think it's pivotal as, as they're either starting their business or they're trying to continue to grow their business? I think something that helped us a lot was don't listen to the naysayers. So when people go out and start a business or they want to do anything that um, differs from the society norm, you know, a lot of people are going to try and talk you out of it. A lot of people will tell you how it's a bad idea. It's not going to work this and that. And and they did the same for us. You know, we had good jobs with insurance and, and benefits and paid vacations and all that. And people said, Oh my gosh, you're going to throw all that away to sell clothes on eBay. Yeah, we, we are. And, and it worked out for us. Um, so I would th- say if, if you do have the passion to be an entrepreneur or build a business um, and you really want to do it and you know that, it's there for you. Don't listen to anybody else. Just have that, that dedication and that persistence and do it. You can always go back to what you were doing in the past, you know, take it, you know, yeah. take a stand and, and try it out and, and see what it works, but don't listen to people who are going to try and tell you otherwise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like it. I, I think I remember you remind me of this one sentence I, I once read, uh, you know, if you're going to fail, you might as well fail at your dream. Yeah rather than somebody else's dream, right? And exactly. like you said, the corporate corporate America or a typical nine to five job is always going to be there, right? Yep. No matter what. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chris. Thanks so much. We wish you all the success and the continuous growth of Pink Lily. And for everybody out there listening, you know, we'll have Chris information here. If you guys have questions, suggestions, I'm sure T- Chris and his team will be more than happy to collaborate or engage with you guys uh, in order to, to grow both businesses, you know? Thanks so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks, appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to the Retail Corner Podcast, and we'll see you guys in our next episode. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, please email us at podcast at retailcorner.live or visit our website, retailcorner.live. Looking forward to having you as our guest on our podcast, and thank you so much for listening.